a lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, this is Licky Lee, and you're listening to Story Behind the Song on the Consequence Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Story Behind the Song, the Consequence Podcast Network series where I interview the artists behind some of the most iconic, memorable, and lasting songs of the past few decades. I'm your host, Peter Chadi of Creative Media, and each month I dive deep into two songs with my guests. In this episode, I speak with Swedish-born musical enigma Leaky Lee who started her career seemingly happily at the age of 21 with her bouncy breakout track, Little Bit. But soon after, she veered 180 degrees into deep darkness, and her new album, I, spelled E-Y-E-Y-E, is no exception. It is darkly haunting, spare, and cinematic, and essentially rejects everything about its poppy predecessor, So Sad, So Sexy. In Lee's musical journey, three constants always remain. First, she's always willing to fearlessly open her wounds to the world to expose everything in her art. Second, she endlessly craves new musical journeys and unapologetically jumps genres. And third, all of us reward her and her music for it. Lee's albums continuously find themselves on year-end best-of lists. She is a true artist, plain and simple. And as always, we discuss two songs, one of the artist's signature songs, and the second is the artist's pick. So here, after Leakey's guided tour of her evolution as an artist, the two of us discuss her confessional classic love song, No Rest for the Wicked. And then we discuss Leakey's second pick, the cinematic song You and I from her new album. You know, the album's last song with the umlauts over the U. So take a listen as we dive into the story behind the song with soft-spoken but inwardly fierce Leaky Lee. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Peter Chotti. Welcome to another episode of Story Behind the Song and the Consequence Podcast Network, where we break down two different songs from iconic artists. And today I am joined by Leaky Lee, singer-songwriter Leaky Lee. And Leaky, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And where are you? I'm behind my piano <laughs> um, in Los Angeles because there was someone, uh, there was a gardener outside, so I'm like hiding <laughs> behind my piano. <laughs> yeah, that's the joys of doing these things in the home. Is that yeah. You have gardeners and pool people coming by. But yeah. Thanks for joining. So we're going to get into two songs, No Rest for the Wicked and You and yeah. I from the new album, I, which is a great album. Everybody check that out. And just a little background before we get into questions for Leaky. She released her first EP, Little Bit, in 2007. And ever since then, she has been receiving high critical acclaim. So your albums have consistently been on best of uh, list for good reason. So that's very cool. Your latest album, I, just came out uh, in the last couple months. Correct. Yeah, in May. Yeah, yeah, in May. So very, very recently. You've collaborated with some of the biggest names in the business, Kanye West, Mark Ronson, host of others. I'm going to ask you about David Lynch. That one's mm. a really interesting one. So I'm curious to hear yeah. about what it was like to work with David. Mm -hmm. And obviously, a lot of your music has been featured in, in movies and television. So all over the place. But today, like I said, we're going to break down two different songs. Before, Leaky, before we get into the first song, No Rest for the Wicked, tell yeah. me a little bit, uh, give me a, a guided tour of your life from being a child and then how music came to you, how you entered the business, you decided to make that your thing and all yeah. of that. Just let me know how that all happened. Um, well, I'll go back as far as I remember, um, was I was living in Portugal when I was a child and, uh, my dad is a musician. So I was probably about four or five and, uh, music was always playing around us, but I finally got my own Walkman. Is that what it's called? The, the tape cassette one. And yes. I listened, I had two tapes. I had Madonna and Michael Jackson. So that was the world that I would escape into when I was five, maybe. And it really was my sacred world. And then I moved back to Sweden. And actually, I was training to become a dancer for, for most of my childhood and my teenage years. And then it was only when I was about 15 that I felt that dancing was too restrictive and too limited in terms of like creatively what you can do you have to be someone else and there's a certain form so I was really like hmm I, I love music um, I think I, I want to try music instead and then I quit my uh, dancing school um, applied for the music school did not get in come on um, no, I did not get accepted. So that was the first big slap in the face. Um, By the way, on so that when note, I, you can go back to the headmaster over at the school and say, <laughs> mm, I did okay. Well, let's see. I, I, I carry that with me still. Um, and then I started in a gospel choir when I was about 15 and started 
playing piano on my own. And then when I was 19, I went to New York and did open mics. Um, I only had three songs that I had written that I could perform. And on the last night before I had to go back to Sweden, I got uh, booed out like in front of a really big crowd. So that was the second <laughs> monumental slap in the face, um, which did me good because then when I came back to Sweden, I was like, wow, nobody really understands what I need to do and there's no other way for me to get them to understand unless I do it. So then I got an eight track and I started doing demos. I did a version of Little Bit that I then somehow got in the hands of Bjorn, who was a very big, successful producer at the time. And uh, somehow I got to meet with him and convinced him that it was worth taking a shot on me. And I was 19. So he started kind of training me on how to, to write songs. Um, and whenever he had a bit of, when he would record a big band, he would kind of let me like come to the studio late at night and maybe put down a version or something. So we did my first EP together without a label and I started my own label. And then uh, I went to South by Southwest. I played 12 shows in four days. And then somehow I got a record deal with Atlantic and then I came back to New York to finish my first album. Pretty Youth amazing. Novels. Yeah, pretty amazing. You So you came from, I know you're, or at least from what I read, your mother was a photographer. Uh, yeah. Your father, as you said, was a musician or is a musician. Mm -hmm. They had a Swedish punk reggae band from what I read. But yeah. so you you were a dancer. You stopped that. You were self-taught, it sounds like, in piano. And, yeah. and you moved out. On, you left everything behind and essentially moved out on your own when you were 19 to go to New York City. Yeah, but only for because I didn't have a visa, so uh, only for a few months. And yeah, I stayed in the most horrible railroad apartment in Bushwick without windows and cockroaches and rats, no heat. <laughs> so how did you deal with all that? Um, well, I guess I, you know, growing up, you're reading all the biographies and it seemed like everyone, you know, that's just a part of being an artist. Like you go to New York and you're poor and miserable and misunderstood in New York. So for me, that was just like a part of, of the narrative. Yeah, I, no, I get that. And when you said that you were on open mic nights and then you played to a pretty big audience that booed you. Yeah. Where, where was that? Well, I actually didn't, it was not like a show. This was at SOBs in New York and it was a show for music soul child. And I remember going to the show and I also, I had my sister's ID because I was not 21. So I would always go with a fake ID as well. And then before the show, um, there was there's a guy who came up and was like, oh, we have ANARS from Arista Atlantic. If there's anybody up here who can sing, come on, grab the mic. And then my friend was like, this is your shot, Liggy. Like, you have to go. This is your shot. And and the girl before me was like a great gospel singer who was wailing and like, you know, total applause, mic drop. And then I went up and I grabbed the mic and I kind of choked a little bit. And then I went into this like really breathy kind of like falsetto 
<laughs> and the whole audience booed me out. So when you have that happen, yeah. how did how do you recover from that emotionally? I mean, it, it was really monumental. And it's almost like kind of that moment in a hero's journey where you decide, you know. So I went off the stage completely nauseous. Like I really wanted to like die and disappear and puke i was so i was so embarrassed um and then i went home and we didn't have heat in the apartment so like i I was like going into my sleeping bag with my puffer jacket and was really like you know the worst thing that can happen actually happened you know like your greatest fear of, of getting booed out um has now happened so in a way it kind of really forced me to like, okay, I'm going to show these motherfuckers. Like, I'm going to show them. Like, nobody nobody understands, you know? So, I don't know how, but it made me more focused. Good for you. And by the way, for everybody who's listening, that's a great lesson. Like, you know, everybody gets knocked down, right? Everybody gets knocked down. Yeah. And it's so it's how you react to that situation, but it's, I can't even imagine... And- yeah, and especially I think in the beginning when I was really starting out before I had a record deal, you had to do a lot of like, you know, strange showcases or like play this bar or, you know, when I went to South by Southwest and did so many shows. In a way, the worst thing had already happened to me, so I became quite unafraid of the audience. Well, that I was going to ask you about that. Is performing live something that you are very confident about now or is that a challenge in any way? I used to be because I was quite messed up. Like I had a skewed sense of safety when I was younger. Like I felt very unsafe in my own world and in my own skin. But somehow when I was on a stage, it was like like I was I felt embraced somehow by by uh the stage. But now that I'm more um functioning as a human being and i haven't been on stage for for years actually so so i have no idea i'm now i feel a bit a bit scared yeah. well it's interesting when i interview um artists that's not an uncommon thing either because of covid and they haven't exactly. been on stage for a long time so there's there's excitement but there's little trepidation yeah yeah, and it seems like a ludicrous thing to like want to put yourself in that situation again. Yeah. But I'm doing it. <laughs> Good for you. And I, by the way, as I was telling um, somebody earlier today, you are kicking off your tour in San Diego, California, where, where I am. So we're excited to see you oh, in San Diego in September. That'll be the first show. Yeah, yeah. it'll be the first show. So we'll be there. Um, so your twi- Twitter handle says, that you love write you write love songs, right? Mm. Uh, but in a recent interview that I read, you also said I've always had a broken heart since I was a kid. Yeah. So you put it, you put it all out there. And yeah. How do you? How did you first feel about doing that? And how do you continue to feel about just bearing your heart and soul and your music for for the world? Um, I mean, the reason why I got into writing and singing was to 
to comfort myself for for to to find refuge to find solace so it was to relieve my suffering like when i when i sang about something i felt in that moment free and like i'm in communion with something higher than me so i never thought about that anyone would listen to it it was more that it felt i mean i guess that's why people you know make art is is to like rid themselves of of suffering so do you ever hold yourself back or do you feel completely comfortable with whatever thoughts come to you to put that into your music mm, yeah i mean for me when i'm writing is when i can when the lines come to me that feel you know completely accurate and true it's almost like i i have a burning sensation like ah okay we're on the right track this is completely how i feel this is this is true this is honest um so it becomes my it's kind of like my north star of, of how i write if i if i can't relate to it or if it's not what i'm actually going through i don't care about it it has to be burning well i'm going to be very interested to hear the evolution uh, into this latest album of yours and yeah. what brought you to that place of how you, the songs themselves, how um, atmospheric and cinematic they are and quiet mm -hmm. in many ways. Uh, and yeah. we'll get to that. But first, I want to dig into the first song that we're going to discuss mm -hmm. for the story behind the song, and that's No Rest for the Wicked. So we're going to take a... Quick break, and we'll be right back with Leaky Lee. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, we are back with Leaky, with singer-songwriter Leaky Lee, and we're going to talk about No Rest for the Wicked. So let's get right into it. Mm. You co-wrote this song, um, mm -hmm. obviously a, a, a beautiful song. Uh, tell us, just give me the story about all of it, how the genesis of this song from the first kernel in your minds and then how it evolved uh, with the melody and with the lyrics um so this song is from the i never learn album which i kind of made as a protest to my last album that was very somehow a lot of drums a lot of anger a lot of energy and i really wanted to move into a more like i want to sit down and i want 
to just write songs on the piano. Um, but this one, this one came actually, I mean, the way that me and Bjorn work is we are just in a room together and he either has uh, this Ledin acoustic guitar from the 60s or or he's on the piano. So um, he played that little melody in the beginning and then I was just freestyling the melodies. Um, and then the way it works with us is like, uh, it just all kind of unravels and I do all the lyrics and all the melodies and, and we are just kind of dancing together. Like, let's go here or let's go to this chord. And actually the recording of that song is it was me and Bjorn and then I brought Lars in my drummer so it's actually like the live recording of us in the room kind of trying to figure it out and did that happen um relatively quickly did the melody yeah. and the lyrics come together in a short period of time yeah that's how it is for me. If it if it comes, it c comes quite quickly. Like the whole song will unravel. And usually the way I work too is I, I come in with a title or something. And I don't know why I, because I'm, I don't even know where, I mean, it's a very common phrase, but I don't know. It's a little bit how I work. I actually don't know where I read things or like how it comes to me, but I had that title um and I was also going through like a separation at the time so I was just writing about how how bad I felt about it being the one leaving was your headspace then just very different when you were doing this uh, protest to the last album essentially yeah it was very different I was very I was very um I mean, it's like my whole career has been like exploring love and relationships from like every single angle. You know, someone leaves, I leave, you know, like all kinds of complicated um, scenarios. So so this was definitely like a new, a new feeling for me, a new role that, that I had in the heartbreak. It was a different heartbreak. And how do you decide the production itself when you're together with Bjorn and for this particular album? Did you, you had the headspace of having just been come out of that relationship, but yeah. do, you, do you look for a, a kind of overarching vibe when you recorded it? And how did that come to you? Or did it just come naturally because you were in that headspace? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I very much always know what it is I'm I'm looking for and where I'm going when I go into making an album and I guess this I really wanted to kind of make like a really raw alive broken power ballad album but from from my point of view being who I am and Swedish and and all of that so it was all live in the room um, and you know, we let all the, I, I'm always looking for anything that's, that's breathing and alive. So I think, I don't remember, but I think it's like Bjorn is like counting it in, in the beginning. So like, I want to keep all the human elements in it. And then the, the drums too is very much just, Lars is just very intuitive in how he plays. And I wanted like minimal, everything like l very minimal. 
So does yeah. that mean when you go into it with that kind of thinking that it takes just a few takes to get it the track that you want done? Do you work in that Actually, kind of way? Actually, the, the way that me and Bjorn work too, we spend a lot of time just me and him like in the room on a piano or a guitar. And at that time too, I had stole that trick from Rick Knowles to have like a tape recorder. So you record it on tape so you can listen back, like you listen back to the song structure and be like, yeah, this sounds like a classic song. Okay, it's good enough. Let's do a real take now so so once once we're in a studio with maybe a drummer we already like we know it's not like we're trying to figure out the tempo or the structure it's already there and then it's just intuitively seeing what we can add to just give it that kind of bridge into like another world like the the sacred the the cosmic I'm going to ask you about uh, a couple of the lyrics. Mm. I let my good one down. I let my true love die. I had this heart, but I broke it every time. So when you have those lyrics and you say there will be no rest for the wicked, are you pointing at yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And even now being, you know, way older than I was at that time, I do know that that relationship I had, it really was, it really was a good one. You mm. know, very sincere, very, very beautiful, very true. And yeah, I, I had his heart and I broke it every time. Yeah. The, the human condition, right? Yeah. <laughs> it really is. So yeah. how do you feel about that well uh, before i ask that question did you feel that that song would become a hit and a signature song of yours mm, i i don't know if it became a hit right i i don't have many hits well, sadly it's, it's <laughs> had a lot of play in, oh, in the overall it? hollywood business too with licensing oh, I had no that. idea yeah yeah all the hits I have, which are not many, but they are completely accidental. Hmm. By the way, it is a hit. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. So it's it's an iconic <laughs> song. So no one informed me, okay. but yeah, I'm, I'm proud to be the first one. <laughs> oh, to do okay. That. And how do you how do you feel about that song today? Since it was such a time capsule for you. Hmm. I like that song actually, and I feel like my voice. I sound a bit fucked up, you know, and like very much in that zone. And I, I, I think it sounds pretty warm and big still. So actually, I don't mind it. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So uh, is there anything else that, because you're asked questions about these songs frequently. Is there anything mm, else? Actually, about no. What's that? People ask me like really boring questions about other things but actually i don't talk so much about my my songs no. right. well and this is why i love digging deep into this yeah exactly because it's great stories you know that come out about your life and it's fascinating yeah. and so let's get into uh there are so many songs i'd like love to talk about but usually i don't discuss the second song in this podcast as much as i do the first song mm. but this album that was just released in may and I was listening to it all day yesterday, literally all day yesterday. 
And it is, um, as I said at the beginning, it's, it's this dreamscape, kind of cinematic, very spare and for the most part. Yeah. Um, and so it, the album is called I, I, and we're going to talk about the song You and I. But before we get into that particular song, what headspace were you in? How, what, were you, what was your thinking when you started getting into the studio or even contemplating this album as being your next act? Um, well, I was coming off of uh, touring um, So Sad, So Sexy. And, you know, when you make an album, there's a whole cycle of going on tour and kind of creating this character. I was like wearing, you know, like a red latex suit with like chopped blonde hair. And after that, I was like so tired of of myself and like I was kind of listening to the album from a very critical point of view and I was like uh-uh I, I can't let this one be be how I go out I'm always thinking that the, the thing I'm doing is like the last thing I do like my 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 goodbye um so I was like shit I can't go out like this because I still have not made what what I intended to do when I was 19, like when I was sitting in the room in my bedroom with a a track to really try to capture like, you know, a trembling heart, something so intimate and raw and dreamy. Like I'm like, I still haven't managed to do that. So I was listening to uh, some songs that I had been writing on the piano just alone here in my room. Um, as a voice memo and you know I like when I listen to voice memos too I like really I'm listening to it like straight in my ear and I'm like this is what I want to do I want to feel like um, I am whispering this like story in someone's ear and I don't want no tricks like no autotune no clicks nothing it can just be me in a room and like the only ways that we can travel from this room will be through through the soundscapes but it has to be here with me naked raw and so I also kind of came crawling back to Bjorn you know we hadn't worked for years and years and years so I was like ooh, I kind of need to go back to Bjorn um which was also very nerve-wracking to kind of be you know coming back to him after so long and not knowing how that dynamic would be or like can we still write but then we did I was in Stockholm first and we we were in this you know like in the little basement for like one day and I felt like we still had something so then I asked him to come to LA um like why don't you just come to LA and we kind of just very loosely do something so I set up um a very I mean only again like I have a amplifier with the uh, mic plugged in and a synth and he has the guitar and I have a piano here and a synth so it was only us in a room and I didn't want any you know engineers no big equipment nothing so it's just us literally and then me trying to again unpack whatever I was going through emotionally. Um, and it was a very, very beautiful cosmic experience. So you said that after every album, 
it feels like it may, it's the last thing you may do. Mm. Especially after this one. <laughs> okay, so tell me, tell me about that before we dig into the song. Well, it's, I mean, who knows? Creativity is, is also like the, the great unknown. I mean, future is the great unknown. You never know what, what is going to happen next. So like, who knows if I'll be blessed enough to, to have enough courage to make a, something again. And the album, the headspace that you were in and coming mm. back to Bjorn, and just the overall sound of it and the way that you described your previous album and how yeah. you wanted to say, hey, I want to, uh, that's not who I am right now. Do you think that COVID and the pandemic had anything to do with that? And, and maybe well, more isolation for everybody? Interestingly enough, I had gone into this headspace and set up the studio um, before the pandemic. So mm -hmm. I was kind of already... But I'm also quite intuitive person. I've all I've had the feeling for a while that something really terrible is going to happen. So it's almost like I went into my own lockdown before the lockdown. So I was already in that space of like um, wanting to make something very, very deep and and like only what I want to make. So I, you know, I asked to get dropped from, from my label as well. So I was like without a label and just like really on my own. Um, and I didn't know if I was going to release it or not, but it was very important for me to like capture the story and the narrative and like make, you know, I was, I, I had a very, very strong vision of, of what it needed to be. Like it needed to be a sonic movie that's like, also always moving forward there's no like cut and paste or like it's it's we're moving forward you know from this room into like the dream it's it's an album with eight songs that do mm -hmm. flow into one another separated yeah. by one minute videos mm -hmm. i haven't seen the videos yet i've listened oh, to the to. entire album <laughs> but tell tell me about the how you came up with this cinematic idea of the transitional videos. And by the way, at least two of the tracks, maybe more, have express references to movies, including yeah. you and I, that we'll get into. But how did you come up with this whole concept of tying in the videos and making it an audiovisual album? Mm, well, actually, the... I mean, I've always had an obsession with, with cinema and, you know, I think also from a young age, I somehow made the connection between love and movies. Like, you know, for me, that was like, like how love should be. I remember watching uh, when I lived in Portugal, I think I was 10 or something and I watched Romeo and Juliet five times in the cinema. And that imprinted so deeply in me that I actually think I... I like that's what I was looking for ever since. So cinema has had like such a deep effect on on how I live and how I perceive things. And also in the past, like when I feel when I'm in these dramatic situations or like heightened emotions, it's almost like I I zoom out and I like start my own movie in my head. Like I, I live a lot in the movie in my head. It's a little bit, you know, like the stories we tell ourselves. And and I realized, too, 
on this album that I was kind of stuck in my own repetition. Like, again, I'm here making an album about what I'm going through, like dramatizing it, staging it, filming it, like then I'm going to tour it. So as I was doing that, I was also realizing that I need to somehow break this cycle um, of, of love the association to love which is like very painful to me so it's like I got I got it wrong in my mind so at the same time I was also very interested in like neuroscience and and psychedelics and just how you know attachment theories so just how actually the brain works and how how we form our our attachments at such a young age I was like kind of in that field at the same time as I was writing what had happened to me. But all the music really was informed like while I was like on psychedelics, basically. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that because I read a segment from a previous interview where you wanted to, the quote that I read was, you wanted the record to have the intimacy of listening to a voice memo on a macro dose of LSD. Mm. Yeah, I actually didn't take LSD, but um, I, I thought it was still a good <laughs> way to describe it. <laughs> it's, it's a great line. Uh, no, but it's, um, it's fascinating to get into the journey that you had. And you also mentioned how movies have always been so integral to your life and a fundamental part of your life from the time you were uh, a child. And, and that is such a core part of this album. So. Yeah. Does, do you feel that maybe part of your thinking is that movies frequently are, uh, represent these idealistic lives and that it's almost like living up, like love living up to the ideals that we see in the movies about what love should be or can be? Yeah, but it's not only the movies. It's basically every art form. It's like painting, poetry, photographs, songs. We're all kind of taking the like the heightened states of love and and romanticizing it. And that's something that I've done my whole career. So it's also just the way that we are, like the way we think, the way we live our lives. Like we are the main character in our own movie and. And I don't know how you feel, but in, you know, when you're younger or whenever you kind of, you know, you, you remember that moment when you meet your person and how you look at each other. And it's kind of like the movie starts then and then you start dreaming about a future. And so it's something that that we do in our in our minds, like dreaming the subconscious, all of that. It's like our, our inner movie. So I'm almost more referring to like that our inner movie it's not like the hollywood movies necessarily but it's like the fantasy the idea the obsession of love so for you and i which is the last track on the album yeah why is that song in particular special to you or why why did you select that this song to be the second song that we discuss mm. Well, it's interesting because I'm kind of working, you know, with, with the loop as a concept. Um, and it's like, it's present in, in the videos and in the songwriting and the production. So No Hotel, for example, is kind of the premise that, that leads us to go into 
to this story, to the dream of, of what this could be. And then you and I, it's really like the final scene and, and we're standing in the final scene and I'm begging him um, to turn around um, and not walk away because, you know, if you walk away, then this whole movie ends right here too. And then, I don't know, somehow this song was felt special to me and um, it took a long time to figure out the production on this one. And we have so many versions where it's like really faster and we rewrote it. I, I usually don't write so much, like try so many different ideas on one song. So, so this was a real pain in the ass to figure out. Like I have so many versions. And then I remember... I was stuck here in the pandemic. I couldn't travel. And finally I got like a an exemption so I could go to Sweden for one month. And, you know, one month was all I had to finish this whole thing. So I was like in the studio and then, you know, the last day I have to travel back. And it's like, shit, we don't have the song. Like I don't have a version yet of the song that, that I'm proud of. Um, and I was really at that time quite scared and desperate and you 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 get there on every album actually i follow rivers is also a song that we like worked on so much and i kind of like was like so close to throwing that song away because it was just a pain in the ass to figure out so this had the same quality and i remember like okay let's do one final take um without any click without anything and we were trying all these different riffs in between the choruses and then so it's like me and Bjorn again him on a synth without just like kind of really getting into this like meditative state so I did it like so much slower than than all the other versions and then by accident somehow I asked him not by accident but I was like hey how would it be if we would take the vocal part and reverse it and put that into like the post chorus so like when that happened i was like oh boy now i see the whole movie i see the whole how i'm gonna finish this album it kind of informed like the whole the whole world opened up to me when i when i reverse the vocal and then kind of let like let all the production very much happen on the inside like you're just closing your eyes and 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 you're in the final scene we all remember that final scene with with someone so in that case because you were struggling with that song for um an extended period of time yeah once you it clicked in your mind yeah is is that something that naturally comes with you with all of your songs because you can record any song like you said with this one in an infinite variety of ways. Yeah. So when you arrive at the place, are you, is is it like an immediate reaction? Like, that's it. Well, for me, it was. But I was also like, because it was so much slower and so weirder and there's like nothing really on the song, I was like, uh, can I trust myself? Like, can I have a song that is like this? And I remember coming to Sean Everett when it was time to mix and I was like what do you think like am I allowed to just have a song like or is this complete trash so it's a real kind of courageous step to just like allow something to be this slow and bare 
and like make no sense really. So so it's it's hard. You don't know if it makes sense to anyone else, but it really made sense for me. And in the end, this album, and I had to remind myself of that because, you know, of course other people are going to have other opinions. And in the end, I was like, this album is for me so I can complete my own journey. This is the album that I'm giving to myself, to the young woman who's 19 in her bedroom you know like i wanted to kind of complete my own circle for myself yeah one of the lyrics uh find me love me in the movie and the movie is you and i uh yeah really makes sense and is beautiful with the way that you described it all and the entire album like i said you know it's this cinematic it's almost otherworldly with the the sounds, the quiet sounds that permeate throughout the tracks and in between the tracks and at the end of you and I, I'm just yeah. kind of lingering on. So it's a it's a rather haunting album, uh, but beautiful, yeah. beautiful album. Thank you. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take another quick break and then uh, get into a few final questions with Leaky Lee. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Okay, we're back. We're back with singer-songwriter Leaky Lee, who just released her latest album, uh, and it's uh, it's called I. I. I do have to ask you about that name and the yeah. imagery because the even the even the cover or the image on the album is yeah. very haunting. Uh, yeah. So, how did you come up with the name itself, and what does it um, mean to you? Because it's well, spelled E Y E Y E. Yeah, so because I was working with the the circle and the repetition as a form um, in the videos and the songs and the production, we're like playing with space and time and reverse. And so I really wanted like, I mean, I had many one one working title was the movie or the movies you and I and I was like, oh, it doesn't feel Right. It needs to be like we need to stay with the concept. It needs to be a palindrome that you can read both from both ways. And also when we found that, I also wanted to kind of almost have a a word that um, becomes a mantra to like get you to this place. And I, you know, with three eyes, with three E's, I mean, it kind of somehow I was I was very much making this album with my third eye, if that makes sense. I was like always closing my eyes and kind of feeling where I would go in the production. And when I was mixing, I was like very much mixing kind of with my whole being. So it is a third eye <laughs> expression. And also it's a sonic movie. Um but also it reminds me, you know, of, of kind of like a pill that you take and it transports you to this to this landscape, this place. And also I universally means if you say I in Swedish and, and many other languages, it means ouch, you know, like I'm it hurts. So I feel like it has actually so many meanings. 
I, I didn't realize that part of it. Right? Like you can say, I, 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 you yeah. can keep going, or I, it's, it's like a mantra. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm going to get into a lightning round now, right now, Leaky. So I'm going to ask you a number of questions and we'll just go through them quickly. Yeah. But so with all the things you've done, what is your fate? What would you say? is your favorite artistic or creative moment or something, it could be big or small, something that that is such a profound memory when it comes to your, your musical career? I mean, I have to say actually making this album and all the visuals and the mixing, I spent like five months mixing with Sean Everett. Um, it has to, I mean, this project has been the most deep, fulfilling, all-encompassing insane so i'm like actually this project has been incredible for me to to work on and i i looked at um you know i googled it yesterday just curious to see what all the reviews were too yeah and just what are they well uniformly <laughs> i don't know if it matters by the way yeah you know because it's such a personal thing but maybe the authenticity of it all although your albums have always been received very favorably but uniformly extremely positive and so that authenticity has come through but i guess that's one quick question does it matter to you when it's such a personal thing and you're so proud of the album because this is the moment where you just poured it out and it all came to you do the reviews matter to you um i haven't read so many reviews on this one i i kind of was prepared that it could go either way but as i said i made a decision that this is my album and and i know what i put into it and that it actually is a deep multi-layered experience so if if it would be badly received then i mean i would just think that it's a very lazy person that's not you know so it's kind of like yeah. i don't really care <laughs> yeah no i get it i get it yeah uh, so, and I read something about transcendental meditation in your life. Yeah. And that that opened the floodgates to you in terms of your own writing and creativity. So is that something that is still something that you have really tied into your life? Um, yeah. I mean, it was actually David Lynch when I met him who introduced me to transcendental meditation. And I learned that right before I started working on I Never Learn. And it had a very profound effect on me in that, um, you know, there's always this fear that you're going to run out of ideas or creativity. But really, um, in meditation, you realize that creativity is like an endless well. And as he said, in order to catch a big fish you have to go really deep something like that um so yes when i started meditating i realized like my songwriting completely changed and it would all come very fast and it would be like even lyrics and words that i don't even remember knowing because i i'm swedish you know english is not my first language and i'd be like how i don't how do i even know these words and how was it working with David Lynch? Um, it was incredible working with him because when you're working with him, he's guided by his intuition and it just has to feel right. So he's he it was I, I learned that from him and I very much tried to do that on I. It just has to feel right to me. 
when I close my eyes, does it feel right? Yeah. David Lynch. Again, for those of you who are listening, if you haven't really followed his work, what an artist in terms of um, just doing things and, and that you don't see other people really doing. Pretty fascinating. Okay, so Leaky, if you weren't, if you didn't become a musician, a singer-songwriter, if you, yeah. if you didn't become an artist, so let's mm. th even think if that's possible, what do yeah. you think you would have done for your professional life or your adult life? Um, I mean, honestly, I'm quite interested in like the the new science behind <laughs> psychedelics. So like somehow like in psychoanalysis therapy, psychedelics, I would be very curious to be in that field. Therapy? Yes, but maybe more involved in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then, <laughs> and then just final question. Other, who are artists right now who you respect or who you feel maybe even under the radar who deserve a bigger audience because they're just, that's music that speaks to you? Mm, I'm quite actually, like I don't know so much about new artists um i listen to a lot of old music but you know of the contemporary artists like i think my favorite are i mean i think frank ocean is just you know incredible bonnie Vare as well like he seems to have like a real he's like tapped into the source in in a really deep way and then also kendrick lamar but i mean they're all huge so it's not <laughs> yeah yeah you know do you mind if i throw out a name that i think you may like yeah please radical face radical face it's a single solo artist but amazing lyrics so oh, i'm that, gonna that's... look into that yeah juliana barwick actually i've been listening to lately have you heard her no i, I don't it, know it, it's very much about it's kind of that soundscape feeling too it's very beautiful she's yeah. she's a new artist yeah and I've been listening to a lot of Agnes Obel lately too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's I think very haunting, very haunting, yeah. beautiful music. You'll recognize many of the songs, gorgeous. Yeah. So Leaky's going on tour starting in September, starting in my hometown of San Diego. So we're excited about that. Uh, her new album is called I, that was just released in May. And the song that we just discussed was You and I, but there were eight tracks. Beautiful, very interesting. Um, and so thank you so much, Leaky, for taking us through the journey and the story behind those two wonderful songs. And every, we look forward to seeing you later in the year. Thank you. I'm very excited. Thank you. That was Leaky Lee sharing her story behind her classic confessional love song, No Rest for the Wicked. I'm your host, Peter Chotti. You can follow me on Twitter at pchotti. That's P, C like cat, S like Sam, A like apple, T like Tom, H like Harry, Y like yellow, and at Creative Media, that's C-R-E-A-T-V dot media. For more of the story behind the song, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tune in on the third Monday of every month for new episodes. Also make sure you're following the Consequence Podcast Network to keep up to date 
with all our series at consequence.net forward slash consequence dash podcast dash network. And as always, thanks for listening to the story behind the song. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.